It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. And if you can believe it, this is our second to last player capsule preview for this season, we have gone through every player on the Knicks at this point outside of the three that we have today and the three that we have tomorrow. So today, Gavin, we have a fantastic guest. We have Prez from the Strickland. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at underscore Presidente. And he is one of our preeminent draft guests. So we brought him on to talk about Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, and Miles Powell briefly. Yeah, it was. I mean, he's he, he's the guy for for all these players, and it was it was good to hear his thoughts on Obi Toppin. A lot of people know I've been a quote unquote Obi Toppin hater. I try to specify that it's nothing personal, just about his play on the court. But Prez talks me off the ledge a little bit, and, and it's it's always good because I, I'm not I'm not a draft expert. I'm not a player evaluate evaluation expert. Prez is so he, he has some he has some good takes on Obi. And he gives you the down low on quickly. And Alex, what got me really excited is he seems to think that quickly is is pretty sustainable. So we get into that. We touch on Miles Powell a little bit at the end, whether or not he'll break into the rotation. All that and more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up and left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. All right, welcome into Locked On Knicks. This episode is brought to you by 1010. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly and sustainably sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful diamond ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com. This exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here. I am the editor-in-chief of The Strickland. You can find me on Twitter at the Alex Wolf, and I'm joined, as always, by Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play announcer by day, a Knicks podcaster by night, or in this case, morning. We are recording this in the morning. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Gavin Shaw, and you can find us on Twitter at Locked On Knicks. And then we have a special guest today to continue our player capsule previews. 
We have Prez from the Strickland, so I am intimately familiar with this guest. You can find him on Twitter at underscore Presidente. Prez, how are you doing? Uh, are you ready to talk some rookies today? Because we gave specifically you the rookie capsule. Yeah, how y'all doing? I'm excited. We're here recording uh, about 10 hours after the most important day in Nick's history, I think, if I'm not uh, exaggerating, uh, referring to Emmanuel Quickly's 20-point breakout preseason game. Yeah, you're not exaggerating in one bit, um, because it certainly was a highlight of all highlights. Uh, (laughs) Just a little bit of competent point guard play out of a guy who probably still doesn't project to be a point guard, but at least showed a little bit of it for one night, and it was... It was, well, or two nights, really, and hopefully more nights going forward because the offense definitely runs better with him out there. Um, I guess maybe we could start with quickly. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about that. If we were going in order of quote-unquote importance, uh, I think that Toppin would take the top billing. But considering Quickly's little breakout, I think it might be a good idea to start with him. Uh, Gavin, do you have anywhere you want to take it with Quickly to start with uh, as far as you know, things that things that you're curious about, as I know that Prez looked a lot into quickly prior to the, the draft, even before he was on the Knicks radar. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I think I think quickly might have, at least in my mind, superseded Toppin in terms of importance. So I'm, I'm, I'm totally cool starting off with him. And I guess, uh, Prez, my question would be, how sustainable is, is what he's he's doing right now? And I only ask that because of the level of, of competition and we've seen him against the Pistons and then essentially the Cavs B team and the Cavs are already probably along with the Thunder, the team most likely to compete with the Knicks for the number one pick in next year's draft. Um, and, and I know my, one of my first questions about uh, quickly after doing a little bit of research for him on uh, about him on draft night was I, I was impressed with his ability to draw fouls at Kentucky, but everything I read was sort of like, uh, we're not really sure if he can do that at the NBA level. He doesn't necessarily have high level athleticism and like, obviously in general, to, to get fouls and to get to the free throw line, you got to be able to create an advantage. And, and for quickly, for someone who wasn't a hyper athlete, someone who has a, has a fine handle, but not like a super duper advanced handle. Um, I, I was kind of worried as like, oh, okay, that part of his game, like at least right away, probably won't work. But then we, we watched him through two games and it, it feels like I was saying on the recap last night, he is this veteran savvy to him and he's developed all these little techniques that you typically see from point guards who are on the back end of their career and slowing down need to compensate to draw fouls like he's already throwing his head back every time he gets touched and he's citing his own synergy stats just seems like a super smart savvy dude who's who's very much ahead of the curve on on how to draw free throws and and not only that but how to run an offense and how to leverage and manipulate his shooting into opportunities for himself and others has an in-between game I, I guess do you see him doing this throughout the season do you see him doing this in a less efficient way throughout the season how much of this is going to be sustainable did you say he was citing his own synergy stats yeah, he did. He said he was in the 90th percentile in uh, floaters at Kentucky last night in a press conference. That's so funny. I didn't hear that. Um, yeah, the really other good. thing, the other thing about him is like he, he's like a crazy work ethic lunatic. So, you know, him getting better at stuff over eight months isn't super surprising. But in terms of how sustainable the stuff is, here here's a question for you. So, for y'all, what's the difference between a point guard? and a guard who can dribble pass and shoot. Hmm. Uh, like what's the difference? Yeah. Like are all 
can, can a they, guard who can dribble pass and shoot play point guard to you I, I guess maybe you could argue definitionally can they guard point guards on the other no, end? i mean on but, offense yeah right right um no i I, don't, I wouldn't i don't think so i think that's pretty much it i would i would say situationally what you described like a player that can dribble pass and shoot but not particularly well can play point guard if they're competent i mean i think that quickly is sort of just like case in point of that and we've seen it I mean, we've literally seen it with some other players that have come through the Knicks that weren't as good as quickly. Like, we this is the fan base that, you know, at times talked ourselves into Ron Baker playing point, bar, point guard because he actually managed to bring the ball down the floor, get a team into some sets, and make, like, some basic passes and reads. And we took that as, like, oh, this is, this is a point guard. This guy needs to play point for the team. So I think it's just situational. I think the bar is, like, in the Mariana Trench for the Knicks, you know, like as far as point guard play and has been for years. So I I would say like situationally, someone like that, someone like quickly can play point guard for the Knicks, but like, I don't know if I necessarily want him to play it all the time. Uh, And I would certainly like to find a better option at some point. That's like a next level actual point guard. But right now I think his baseline competency puts him ahead of the other quote-unquote point guards on the roster like Alfred and DSJ for sure just because he's actually doing stuff well yeah so that's kind of where I am in terms of his sustainability like he's like to me like being a point guard is more than dribble pass shoot but that's a part of it right and there's plenty of point guards who can't shoot like elf (laughs) Um, but if you can do those things then and you have like if you clear this the lowest bar in terms of having an understanding of like all right I want to bend the defense and then kick it out or I want to set up plays you know and tell people where to go if you can do those two things and dribble pass shoot then you can probably play point guard for the Knicks right like DSJ can say you assume his shot is improved to be passable he can dribble pass shoot but he's not so good at like understanding how to get people where they need to be or setting people up and things like that. You can tell he just doesn't really know what's going on in that sense. And for him, the feel for what to do kind of is just, all right, call for a pick and do a pick and roll. And if that doesn't work, drive and kick or drive and shoot. With IQ, it's he probes a lot more and, and all of that. And and that's what I think makes it the most sustainable is his his ability to kind of dribble and probe before decide pre-deciding anything. Um, so I don't, you know, I, I is he a point guard? I don't know. I think he's a combo guard who can dribble pass shoot and who has a, a general idea of what's happening around him better than DSJ does. So that alone to him makes him a point guard for Nick's purposes and nothing he's doing is particularly unsustainable. Like he hasn't even been shooting that well um, in terms of three point. He went three for five yesterday and he went like one for five or whatever the game, the game before. And he hasn't gotten that many layups, but he's gotten like 10 floaters and it seems like they've all gone in. So, you know, they won't all go in over the course of the regular season, but he's still really good at shooting floaters. But anyway, all I was going to say is you can be a point guard without getting to the actual rim a lot. 
you you just won't be like an all-star point guard, which is fine, right? We're not expecting anybody to be an all-star point guard, but like Devontae Graham, LaMelo Ball, like all these guys are not going to get that many layups. That's just not how they play, but they can do other things that point guards do. So they're point guards. And I think there's a decent chance that, you know, IQ and IQ can, can do all that sustainably for us because he can shoot. He's not going to like forget how to throw alley-oops to Mitch. That's really easy. Like nothing he's doing is crazy. Yeah, I get yeah. it. Again. Yeah, just quickly. My, my question is more so pointed towards the, comp- <laughs> the pun quickly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got you. It's gonna. It's never gonna get old this whole season. <laughs> yeah, I was. It was more so pointed towards the the competition level. Like my 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 question is is kind of oh, like he can yes. do this against the Cavs, but like can he create an advantage off the dribble? And but to your point though, I think I think because of the shooting, there's a chance he does. Like anyone you have to close out that hard on, like obviously, like it, it's in, like I always say, it's incredible how Alfred Payton can get in, into the lane because he was the NBA level defenders saying, all right, you're not going to shoot. Feel free to shoot as much as you want, but we're going to literally play five feet off you. And to Elf's credit, he still finds a way to get to the basket and even occasionally get layups. Um, and, and quickly, um, the the one thing with him is like, even with that shooting advantage, to your point, he's not getting all the way to the rim. But is that, or is there enough of a margin there that when he's going up against, like, I, I don't know, like na- name your like ideal point guard defender, like, I mean, Ben Simmons is obviously on the higher end, but someone like an older Chris Paul, like, is he going to be able to like fake him out and beat him off the dribble and get him into the lane? Like, will he be efficient against high level point guard defenders? And maybe that's the wrong question because maybe his shooting, and this is is an argument I made last night, maybe his shooting is such a multiplicative effect that even if he's not getting into the lane those games, just the fact that someone has to respect him and stay with him and and that he's going to move off the ball and that he's going to do a bunch of different things to try and create space for other guys to attack and maybe those games RJ could have the ball a little bit more I'm not I'm not poo-pooing this I I I am pro quickly potentially starting potentially playing big minutes but I'm just curious how it's going to look against better defenders yeah I mean it's going to be tough versus the best defenders but he's not he's not unathletic he's not vertically athletic but he's pretty fast like with the ball in his hands like his first step is good because of his you have to play him so close because of his jumper so like Maybe not in, he's not going to ISO off anybody, but like with a pick, you know, like if Chris Paul's on you, oh, well, set a pick. Like that's the, that's the beauty of it. Like you can, not every point guard needs to just create out of thin air. And he can do that sometimes by just getting the ball in motion. We saw sometimes Randall would give him the ball off, dribble handoff. So there's like, there's ways to mitigate that for a bad team, right? It's not like we're talking about what are the Knicks going to do in the, second round of the playoffs or something like that but for like our purposes i think it's yeah he'll he'll have more trouble against better teams but so does elf and so does frank right like it's it's fine those guys are point guards too are we ready for some football college football heads into bowl season and there are some big matchups this weekend nfl regular season is finishing up with the playoff picture becoming clearer there is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. There's some good opportunities to make some money in the NFL and on college football this week. If you want the professional take, listen to Locked On Bets. If you want the amateur take, well, I'm here for you right now. On the college football side of things, few games I'm excited about. 
UCF, BYU, I would be hammering that BYU line. Zach Wilson, one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. Dylan Gabriel, very, very good on the UCF side, but BYU plays a little thing called defense. They're far better on that, and UCF has lost seven of their last eight close games after just rolling during that massive win streak they had a couple of years back. I think BYU is able to pull it out. Seven to ten points. I think the line is slightly smaller than that. I have pretty high confidence in BYU. And then I'm a big I'm a big, big 12 football guy. So let me give you two big 12 teams who are going to run things this weekend. Texas is going to kill Colorado. They've had a number of opt-outs, so that line will be a little bit closer than it should be. But Texas has a massive, massive talent advantage. They were so, so good against Kansas State last time they played. I think they win at Oklahoma State-Miami. That Oklahoma State defense is nasty. I think they're able to, to shut down De'Ara King in that Miami attack. Even though they're a little depleted offensively, I think Oklahoma State rolls there. And then Iowa is going to kill Missouri in the Music City Bowl. Book that. Those are four easy bets for all of you. On the NFL side of things, I'm looking, I'm looking. I think the Rams bounce back against the Seahawks. I've not liked how Russell Wilson has looked the last couple of weeks. He's been pretty mediocre since a scintillating start. I, I think the Rams are, are due for kind of an FU game after getting upset by the Jets. Uh, what do we got next? Eagles, Cowboys. I love the way Jalen Hurts is playing. I know the Cowboys have been better of late. I'm going to take the Eagles. I think Hurts is a better quarterback at this point than Andy Dalton. That's a fun one. Again, check out Locked on Bets if you want the expert opinion. That was just mine. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore is the headline. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use our promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at betonline underscore AG to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your free sign-up bonus. Hashtag betonline. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former SportsCenter anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. The holidays are about giving, so I'm giving you a hot tip that could earn you some extra cash. The new Locked on Bets podcast is hosted by Lee Sterling of ParamountSports.com. Lee is red hot. We're talking surface of the sun type of streak to start the season. And he shares a Locked On bet of the day on every episode. Subscribe to Locked On Bets today wherever you get your podcasts. Good point. Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, I, I I think, you know, he's going he's gonna to have some games where he struggles. And, like, to your point, his, his shot, you know, actually you – you do a lot of shot analysis, so I'm kind of curious what you've thought about like his jumper form and stuff. I think it's it's a little unconventional, but like it definitely goes in. You know, it was it, you saw in last night's game. Obviously, it went in. You know, he was and he was efficient with the three, but 
there is it is just see it seems a little wonky to me like it almost seems like he kind of leans forward when he shoots a little bit I think it's um, a little Steve Nashy. I, I tweeted that out. Yeah. I know that's crazy, and I know that's sacrilegious. <laughs> but Prez, you can you can rip me for that because I'm not I'm not a shot expert. But when I saw it, like it, he has a little bit of that same like it's it's a little of a push shot, but like it's also like just very clean. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, I'll no, just I, throw I it to you, Prez. Give us the analysis. Yeah. <laughs> can you hear me? Yeah. 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 Cool. Um. Yeah. I don't. I don't have any doubts about it. Like his shooting numbers are insane. Like. They're just completely off the charts in college. And, like, I forget what it was, but, like, like the last, like, half of the year, his whole his whole last year, he was just, was just like, one elongated hot streak. It was, like, nine, you're talking over 90 from the line on, like, significant free throw volume, like, touch, elite touch on floaters, like, high numbers from free throw. He has, like... He's one of those dudes who literally just goes into the gym, an empty gym, and hits ninety out of a hundred threes. And it, he has the low, the low release, like you see a lot of guys nowadays, like uh, you know the post Steph Curry age of uh, guys coming in and pulling from really far, like Trey Young and Kobe White, and a lot of guys like that who have low releases. So that's why it kind of looks like a push shot, and he does kind of get this weird, like yeah, it looks like he's like putting some extra oomph into it and leaning in when he's taking off from far or shooting it like off the move. And, you know, that is a little weird, but I suspect once he gets a little stronger, he won't need to do that as much, but no, that's the one thing like I have zero doubts about, like he'll be able to shoot today, tomorrow when he's 45, when he's 65, like that's it. What have you uh, What have you thought about him defensively so far? Because I, I thought last night, at least in the first half, when I was watching closely, he struggled a, a little bit. But again, with the Knicks, it's so hard to tell what's on the guard and and what's on like the big not doing the right thing or the help not coming at the right time. And it, it's very hard for me to separate all that. So, what have you thought about him on that end? I thought he's been fine. Um, he's, you know, he got to stick Garland and Sexton, who are you know not uh, what around the three-point line, they're not easy covers. Um, once they get into the paint, they're a little easier because both of them suck at finishing and are not good passers. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I thought he was I thought he was fine. He, he doesn't die on picks, which is a big thing for me. Um, he tries to stay in the play. And then I, I paid attention to him off-ball a little bit. And you can tell he, he has, like, the fundamentals down off-ball. Like, he... He'll know how far to float off his guy and like when to dig and stuff like that. And you know it's gonna be hard for any rookie, any rookie guard in in the NBA. So he's not gonna like come in and lock dudes up. But I, I like he won't be frank on defense. But I could see him being the the second best guard defender on this team, which isn't saying much, but still pretty cool. All right, I think uh, I think we've gushed enough about quickly. I think it's about time to move to Obi Toppin, which maybe is uh, I don't know. It, it Gavin and I have been expressing some concerns ever since that first game. That first game, we were kind of blown away and we we're like, "Wow, this might work out." Like he was just constant motion. He was making things work. Like he looked a little physically overmatched a couple times against Okafor, or by a couple, I mean like quite a few. Um, you know, and he certainly had his his weak points in that first game, but the strong points seemed to outweigh it. We were like, you know what? Maybe he's not quite as bad on defense as we thought because he's active. Uh, he's super active on offense. He's definitely a good passer. 
blah, blah, blah. And then fast forward three more preseason games later. And I don't know. I'm, I find myself being a little worried about him. Um, you know, the, the skill with him that was supposed to be for sure bankable, everything was, you know, he might not, he might not be good on defense. He might actually be really, really bad on defense. Um, but the one thing that you could bank on is his offense and he should at least be entertaining, um, you know, getting lots of dunks, get, you know, being, you know, a, a highlight reel kind of player. Uh, you know, he should be able to hit from three at a decent clip and all this other stuff. And I feel like none of that has really come to fruition outside of that first game. And the first game even, I mean, he scored, what was it? 13 points. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, that we just kind of took that as, oh, he's a rookie. It was his first game. He played, I think, like 20, low 20s of minutes in that first game, scored 13 points. Cool. OK, that means hopefully if he played bigger minutes, he'd be able to score like 20. Uh, every game since, I mean, he's played the same or more minutes and scored less points each time. And it's, you know, some of the games he's shot really, really horrendously. So I don't know. I mean, we we were kind of talking ourselves in the top in to start with Prez, like I'm curious what your thoughts are on him. I've shared a few thoughts on here. Like one of which is like, it's become really clear, like how he looked playing against the, his like mid-major competition in college, because the the biggest thing that I noticed immediately was he's not nearly as big physically as I thought. Like the Knicks released a photo of him and Knox standing next to each other, like for media week. And he's, like the same size or maybe even slightly smaller than Knox, even in the muscle department, which he always looked, I mean, at least in college, he always looked really built, you know, in his upper body and stuff. And you thought, okay, maybe that can translate and help him in the, in the areas where his lower body strength or lack thereof, you know, will kind of hinder him. But on an NBA court, he does not look very big. Um, And he's definitely getting pushed around quite a bit, even by guys that aren't particularly big. Uh, So, what have you seen so far? I mean, have you? Do you think there's some causes for concern with Obi that maybe even go deeper than than what you know you and others kind of saw about him coming out of college, um, or do you think there are things that he's just kind of going through like any rookie would, and he'll he'll work through over time? Uh, when we say somebody's good at offense, like that's a very general thing to say, right? That means they're probably good at either a few particular skills or maybe one or two skills, but they're really, really good at it. When we look at Obi and we look at what made him so great in offense in college, it was a few things. It was like folks have said, he's, he was really well-rounded for one, but like if you just go down the line of his biggest strengths, the biggest percentage of his plays in college were post-ups and he was elite at them. It was a quarter of his plays. He's not going to do that in the NBA, which is fine. You don't want anybody, unless they're like Joel Embiid or Jokic, posting up a quarter of the time anyway. Um, So immediately, like, take that off the plate as a scoring option, unless unless he has a mismatch, in which case you could just quickly hit somebody off with a post move. Um, You've done that a few times in the preseason. After that, the next best skill for him was probably like a tie between transition scoring and rim rolling. We've seen him in transition and he's still really good at that. Um, 
not too worried about that. He doesn't have as much control about that because he can't create transition by himself. That's on the guards. And, you know, we'll see how our uh, our motley crew of point guards does in that regard. I suspect they'll be okay, but not anything amazing. Um, rim rolling is another one that he's not going to get as much of on the Knicks because he's going to be playing with Mitchell Robinson a lot of the time. And unless Mitch is going to spot up every now and then and actually shoot a three, he's probably not going to get as many. He's probably going to be near the rim, which is going to make it hard for Obi Toppin to roll to the rim. Obi played the five in college. He was a stretch five rim rolling monster. But as a four, you're going to have more of a crowd, especially on the Knicks who, you know, I mean, Maybe things are different now quickly, but he's not going to rim roll as much. Um, so that's not completely off the table, but that's partly off the table. He was still really good at isolations and face up and spotting up, but you can see him working through how am I going to get those opportunities? And you can see the Knicks working through how are we going to get him those opportunities? Dennis Smith Jr. doesn't have a fucking clue how to get him these opportunities. That's Another huge thing about the the quickly thing and and hopefully Frank getting some tick at point guard or even RJ because like when he's on the court, when Dennis is on the court, like Obi's in the corner. We've seen a disproportionate amount of his shots be spot up threes, which is fine. You you want him to take a lot of threes, but you also want to give him opportunities to showcase his other skills, whether it's face up or catching it on the move. Right. Or, you know, like curling into the paint or cutting. We've seen a few plays where he cuts and just jumps like 30 feet in the air, right? Like more of that. So I'm not really worried per se about Obi himself. It's more about the Knicks players and coaches figuring out how to take advantage of his skills. It's not quite as simple, I think, as people said, where it was just like, oh, he'll come in and score 20 a game. Book it. Like, no, like he's not going to post up. He's not going to rim roll as much. So you have to figure out other ways for him to get the ball that aren't stupid, that aren't. So it's not just like glorified corner shooter Obi Toppin because he's, you know, I'm not worried about him shooting threes, but like he's also not like Kyle Korver. He shouldn't be like only a three point shooter. So anyway, that was a little bit of a rant, but there you go. No, it was, it was a good one because I mean, you almost, you almost preempted my, my question was going to be is watching him. I, I, my, my, I've been struck like again and again by the thought, all right, how does this guy get to 20 points per game? Like what are the different ways he can score? And you basically, I, I appreciate it. You basically just broke that down for us. One of, one of my concerns that I've seen from Obi so far, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on it, because clearly you think this is, this is an option for him, is is how he scores in those face-up situations. And it was interesting, the first game against the Pistons, which was I mean, still far and away his best performance, he was kind of working himself on the post-ups. It would start up as a face-up, and then he would just start backing mm-hmm. a guy down, backing a guy down, and he wouldn't necessarily blow by the guy, but he would find a way to like finish creatively in the air. I was really impressed with his touch around the basket, which I guess, to your point, is something that he really showed off at Dayton. Because he, he like It wasn't like he was bullying a guy under the rim for a dunk. He was shooting like a double pump, like mini weird jump hook thing, and they were going in, and I was like, <laughs> okay, I guess he's going to be able to do that to some extent. But then against the Cavs the last few games, we've seen him, when he when he drives, he keeps getting pushed off his mark. And we talk about his high center of gravity as a potential weakness defensively, but I'm seeing it 
pop up a lot offensively where he like he seems like he, he can't like put his hip into someone or get a step on someone and find a way to carve out room to the rim. To his credit, there was one play in the second half last night where he did that – or no, sorry, the second quarter. And he got straight to the rim and he finished with a lefty layup. And I was like, okay, good. That's what I'm dying to see from him. But time and time again, whenever he drives, it feels like he ends up under the rim throwing like a double clutch um, jump pass to someone. And to be fair to him, the one part of his game that has really impressed me so far is his passing. I think that's been excellent. Like I, I was telling Alex yesterday – I'm thrilled with like the amount of force that he's able to put on the ball. And very similar to RJ, it feels like his ball placement is excellent. Like every time he hits someone right in their shooting pocket. But uh, first question there is is about the uh, face-up game. And then maybe if you want to get into the passing a little bit, because that, that, that I've actually liked. Just a reminder, today's episode is brought to you by Built Go. Built Go makes you the best you at whatever you do. Break through your wall with Built Go. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, you can break through it with Go every day. That's because Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It comes in easy to take one and a half ounce packages. You can throw it in your pajama pants and then, you know, take it right before your big presentation. If you need a little energy boost on Zoom, you can put it in your golf bag if you want to, you know, dig your golf course out of the snow that's probably still left over from last week. Or, you know, just put it, go to the driving range, have a little fun hitting balls into the snow. Uh, or you could put it in your pocket just to get through the day. Maybe even just going to the grocery store is enough of a thing to make you need a little extra energy right now. You would not be, uh, you know, judged for that given the current climate of the world. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's like a five-hour energy, but it doesn't give you that same crash feeling. And it's natural, so it's better for your body. Uh, and it comes in three delicious flavors. There's peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. I am especially fond of the peanut butter, honey flavor because the consistency of Bilko is somewhat like honey. So it just really matches for me there. Uh, and how does it work so well? It combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into your system fast. And it's easy on the stomach, which I can attest to. I've taken Bilko more or less for dinner or late lunch prior to a workout and had no stomach issues like I would with a traditional pre-workout. Collagen protein also promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health, so it literally makes you look better. Also, Bilko is loaded with good stuff to ignite your work. Beta alanine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine joins up with 10,000% of your daily percentage of vitamins B6 and B12 to give you a real kick and keep you going strong. So if you're interested, visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. When you need fantasy basketball advice, it's important that you have a reliable source. More people trust Josh Lloyd, host of Locked On Fantasy Basketball, than any other fantasy basketball podcast. I am certainly one of them. I am in Locked On Fantasy League with Josh Lloyd, and I'm sure I'm going to get my butt handed to me all season. Subscribe to the number one fantasy basketball podcast, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, wherever you get podcasts. 
Yeah, you're right. Like I remember against the Pistons, um, Sadiq Bay was on him, and Bay's a he's not a skinny boy. He's thick, and he was giving Obi some trouble. He couldn't really move him as much. If if he if he faces a player who's bigger than him at the four, who isn't super slow, so he can't get so he can't blow by them, then he might have a little bit of trouble with his face up slash post up game, at least initially. Um, you know, there's a lot of times he'll be playing small ball fours that he can probably bully, like, you know, if it's like Jason Tatum or something, someone skinny. But if it's somebody stronger like Jalen Brown or P.J. Washington or Sadiq Bay, you know, he might have trouble with those guys. So he's going to have to either figure out how to be a little more forceful or play with a little more craft in terms of the, the two, three dribbles leading up to the shot, right? leading up to the flip or the hook or whatever, because he has good touch on those shots. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. I think once another underrated thing would be once, hopefully his jumper comes around and, you know, once he has the threat of that a little bit better, then that'll probably keep guys on their toes a little more and make it a little easier for him to get, get that extra, half a foot or one foot by them that that is all he needs to get to the rim so we'll see but it's definitely something to watch yeah do you think uh i know and and we'll get back to his passing but i know that his like vertical game was very touted coming out of dayton and and, you know coming to the nba and that was like viewed as kind of one of the things that was going to definitely translate was like his ability to sky over people get like wild dunks and crap and I feel like other than those two baseline dunks that we've seen so far where he and maybe one other oop if I'm not mistaken but like for sure those two baseline ones where he elevated real high and you know just got caught perfectly by the camera angle and all that I mean those were those were pretty cool from a an athleticism perspective but I feel like we haven't really gotten to see too much of that in his four preseason games so far so, I mean, what's your take on that? Like, do you think that that size disadvantage that he's running into against, you know, even some of these guys that aren't particularly big, is that going to limit his ability to really put that athleticism to use this year, you think? I don't think so. I think his his vertical game, he's, he was never really like a like a post-post bump-bump dunk on your face, like nuts in your face type vertical athlete. It's always more like, on cuts, uh, on putbacks, in transition. Um, I, and I, so I think we'll see, you know, he, I think he had a putback at the end of the game in the fourth quarter in garbage time yesterday. So I think we'll see some more instances of him getting vertical. I mean, like, he hasn't dunked that much, but at the same time, like, I'm pretty sure he, aside from Mitch, leads the team by a large margin in dunks as a four which is still like, you know, we, that's still significant. And I suspect when it's all said and done, if you, if he gets playing time, he'll probably end up with quite a few dunks just off of those cuts and putbacks and transition alone. Um, The big question to kind of go back to what I was saying before is if he gets opportunities to get the ball rolling with some space, um, you know, you think of like Lob City where Blake would catch it and then would have the option of like, I'm going to try to dunk on you or I can flip to DeAndre Jordan for the alley-oop. You hope that he gets the ability to kind of do that with quickly and Frank 
um, because that's the other way he can get a lot of dunks is coming right down Broadway, right down the middle after setting a high pick. Um, but that's just trickier in the NBA nowadays than it was back in like, you know, the the prime of Lob City. So so we'll see. But I'm not super what have, worried. What have you uh, thought of his defense so far? And I think I think the expectation, I mean, given everything we heard about him was that he might he'd probably be one of the worst five worst defenders in the league, at least out of guys who who play consistently. So expectations are very low, a low bar to clear. Um, do you think he's been that so far, or has he been a little bit better than that? I think he's been a little bit better. Um, I mean, he hasn't been a good defender, but, like, he's been fine off ball. Off ball is kind of what I was most interested in looking uh, during the off season because he, like I said, he played mostly the five at Dayton. So, like, he did play some four, but to be a full-time four, you have a lot of off ball responsibility when you're not, you know, defending these, like, premier wing players of all types of sizes and shapes. <laughs> so, you know, he's he's been – he knows when to pack the paint, and he gets out. He, I think I've only seen him been caught sleeping, like, badly on cuts and stuff like that one or two times. Um, his on-ball defense is, is, to me, where – where the real problem is. And, and I don't think we really saw the, we certainly didn't see the Cavs take advantage of it with all apologies. I don't to, know. Dean, uh, Dean, Dean Wade got him a few times. I, I was about to call him Dylan Wade. That's fucked up. No, it was um, Dylan, Dean Wade. Dylan Hitler, right? <laughs> I did that the other day. Oh, I shoot. I, I confused their white people. My bad white people. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I did that, that too. <laughs> I, I fuck with Dylan Windler too. I'm very excited to see him play. Um, they were good. Wade was Wade was I, I legit like had no idea who he was. Um, but yeah, like at his point of attack defense is just where I'm really scared. Like we didn't really see the Cavs like spam a one four pick and roll or a two four pick and roll like I expected them to. Um, the Pistons didn't. Nobody really does that in the preseason, right? You're just trying to figure your shit out. You're not like, all right, target the weak point and attack it until it breaks. Like nobody does that. So, you know, we'll see how much teams do that and if the Knicks can scheme to avoid that a little bit. Um, I think we saw a little bit of that in the Pistons game where Tibbs had Mitch guarding Blake and uh, Obi guarding Okafor and Stewart and these other guys. And, and Okafor gave him work, but, like, because he's fucking huge compared to Obi. But, like, whatever. If the other team wants to, like, really, really base their game plan around Jaleel Okafor types posting up Obi Toppin. Like, I'll take my chances with that, with Mitch and RJ helping, you know? Like, that's not the end of the world to me. What's more worrisome is if other teams are like, no, we're going to put, we're going to let Blake cook him. We're going to let Killian cook him. We're going to let Garland cook him. And and they target him like that. So, you know, there's ways around it. And and that fact alone is is why I've been like, you know, I don't think he's going to be a good defender or anything, but um, it's heartening to see a coach already thinking about that stuff. I'll put it that way, because we haven't had that previously. Yeah, I, I think Obi so far has kind of surprised me on the defensive end, at least to some degree. I don't know what I was expecting as far as activity <laughs> level, but, I, you know, I'll fully admit before the Knicks drafted Obi, like almost out of protest, I definitely had not watched enough like film on him and stuff. <laughs> Mostly just because I was probably just trying to like will away the idea of drafting Obi. 
But like my understanding was just that he gets beat on defense constantly. And that would have made me think like low activity level and stuff like that. But he's actually been, I mean, if nothing else, he seems like he's trying on yeah. defense. Um, yeah. And that's been, that's been encouraging. Like he's been, maybe he gambles a little too much, but you know, for a guy that can't really handle people one-on-one, I don't particularly mind him gambling for steals and stuff. If he gets a few of them, cause that can swing things a little more in the positive direction for him. Um, but ha- what have you thought of like his activity level and stuff? Cause I, I thought that he would be kind of listless on defense, but he's been, I, I think at least, you know, in that arena, regardless of physical ability and all that, and maybe even mental capacity for defense, he's, he's at least trying on defense, which is about all you can ask for. Yeah, he tried. He's not like Randall or like Omari where they're just kind of out there and confused and not really moving. Like that's not the kind of bad defender he is. He's more like he like he moves around and he doesn't always move fast because he's kind of kind of has a slow gallop and the way he moves is just not ideal um, in short bursts uh, unless he's jumping. But like you can see him moving and communicating and pointing and talking and stuff like that. He, he he's trying to just figure shit out like. You can see there's sometimes he got beat or he made a mistake where you could see him like realize, oh, shit, like I that was it. I messed up and I know what I messed up. And you contrast that with guys like Knox or Randall where, you know, like they'll mess up and they'll have no idea what just happened and they'll just move to offense. There's no like light bulb moment there. So like in that sense, you know, you hope his coachability and his activity level lets him go from like really bad to like acceptably bad you know or even neutral versus certain teams on defense um and 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 that you know that that gets you pretty far especially on a bad team like is that like just try out there right like just try and know the fundamentals and and like you alluded to with the steals like the guy has what like a 7-2 or 7-3 wingspan so like he's gonna run into some steals as a four more than he did as a five at Dayton it's just the nature of the position the nature of spacing in the NBA and when you're that long, like if you're paying attention and you're moving around a little bit, like you'll, you'll run into some steals. I wouldn't be surprised if his steal rate ends up higher in the NBA than it was in Dayton. All right. So this question, I, I told you I was going to ask you a pre-show Prez, and it's only because I'm a glutton for, for punishment, <laughs> but um, I, I've, I've been watching Devin Vassell look very good for the Spurs. I've been seeing the highlights. I've been seeing his insane um, almost preternatural help defense come up where he just like teleports into a passing lane. Um, I've watched, obviously not a guy who they would have taken at eight, but Malachi Flynn do pretty darn well for the Raptors. He has been hitting some threes, making some nice passes. Poku sh- showing some flashes for the Thunder. Uh, even even someone like Quickly. <laughs> um, how many guys, if you if you had the, the pick back at eight, let's just say um, – uh, Adam Silver takes pity on the Knicks and he's like, Hey, you know what? Um, it's Obi, maybe not the guy you should have drafted today. Let's just redo the final 52 picks of the draft. You guys, you guys deserve it. We need you guys to be good. Um, how, how many different guys, like it doesn't have to be a complete list because I know you could, you could probably go like pretty deep, but like off the top of your head, how many different guys would you have taken ahead of Obi Toppin at eight? So I think I ended up with him at, uh, 12 or 11 at the end of the draft cycle um and like i definitely would have taken vassell ahead of him still like vassell looks like 
Vassell, right? Like, he's pulling off the dribble. He's pulling off the catch. He's playing amazing defense. He looks a little stronger. He clearly put on some weight. So, like, still in love with Vassell from afar. It is what it is. Um, Poku looks exactly like Poku, right? Like, he's amazingly skilled and fluid, and he's still making questionable decisions, alternating with brilliant decisions. Prez, I think we lost you again. Yeah, I think we lost you again. My bad. I last thing was uh, Poku is uh, yeah. Now we can hear you. Last thing you said was Poku is is making yes. good decisions <laughs> combined with bad decisions or whatever. Yeah, um, it's when my uh, when my my little screen here times out. It seems to black out, so I'm gonna keep it up. Um, oh, yeah, gotcha. I'd take Poku. I'd take it Poku ahead of him still, even if. I don't think he's going to contribute as much this year as Obi. Um, I actually haven't watched Kyra at all, so I don't really like Kyra is somebody I had ahead of Obi, but I don't like. I have no clue how he's doing in New Orleans, just to be real. So like, and it's you know it was a few preseason games, so whatever. I still would probably take Kyra over him. Um, uh, I had Maxi ahead of him. Maxi looks great. Um, so. I don't know. I put like Maxi and Obi probably in that same bucket because they both have things they're really good at and things that they're like are problematic if we ever get fortunate enough to be extremely good. Right. So um, really mostly the answer is Vassell. Yeah. Everybody else is like reasonable. Like I, I still would take Obi over Denny. I still would take Obi over Hallie. I still would take Obi hmm. over Bane. You know, hmm. it is what it is for yeah. me. I probably would have gone Denny over him on draft night even, but I could see the case for maybe not just based off the based off the ceilings, I guess. Like I don't know if, if Denny yeah. has as high of a ceiling. Um yeah. but I do like Denny's floor a lot and I, I think he's played pretty well in preseason to show that like he's already probably pretty close to the player that he's gonna be in the NBA long-term and, and that's maybe okay. You know, like I think that, but there is still some room for improvement, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I don't have too many like huge, huge regrets. Like as much as we like belly ached about Obi and the potential of taking him and some of the stuff has shown its head so far, you know, as far as the strength concerns and stuff, like he was, he was the national player of the year in college. He, he is a dynamite scorer uh, and he's going to take a little bit of time to figure it out in the NBA, but you know, I do think that he's gonna he's gonna make it happen eventually and become you know a, a good NBA scorer if nothing else. Even if the defense and rebounding is is kind of suspect. I uh, think the other forward. the other thing is like a lot of these guys landed in situations where it's very obvious how their skill set fits into the team. Denny is playing off Beal and Russell Westbrook, like. All he has to do is do Denny stuff, is be like the third, fourth ball handler and pass, run in transition, and spot up. He doesn't have to do a single other thing. And he is pretty much a similar role to maybe like an even easier role than the one he played in overseas. Hallie is in a perfect situation playing off of Fox, so he doesn't have to be the lead ball handler. And he's playing with some other guys who can pass too, like Buddy and Bielitsa and, and all that, guys. Like, Maxi is playing off Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Um, Vassell is playing, I don't know if it's an ideal situation, but it's the Spurs. 
and he's playing off like LMA and a variety of other guards. And because they are all good point of attack defenders, he can roam as much as humanly possible without worrying. So like for his defense, he's going to shine in that way. Obi is playing a different position. We just like butt stumbled into a point guard apparently. So he didn't even have a real point guard to help set him up. And as a finishing He's a finisher, so it's like he's so dependent on a point guard and on a coach compared to a lot of those other guys. Um, so really, like, the Knicks are still working out how to use him, and he's still working out how to play in a completely new situation. None of these other guys have to do that. That's why I'm not, like, super quick to see, to, like, to judge him off of the preseason. Like, it'll probably take a while. Even with quickly, even if my fever dream of like a quickly Frank point guard rotation comes true, it'll probably still take a while. So, you know, let's let's give him a few months to learn the position and Tibbs to figure out what to do. All right. Totally fair. Much more measured than me. Much more informed than me. <laughs> I appreciate the opinion, Fred. All right. Uh, one final rookie we have yet to go over, and that is Miles Powell. Um, who, who really hasn't played very much. He got about six minutes, and they were relatively nondescript last night against the Cavs. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll just make it a very general question. What are your expectations for Miles Powell this season? And do you, do you see a scenario where by the end of the year, he's maybe broken into the rotation after the Knicks have potentially traded away some bets? I thought, they, I thought someone said, I don't know if it was a coach or a reporter, but I thought the expectation was that he's going to end up in Westchester. So... I think initially, That's kind of yeah. my expectation for him. I think he's going to stay there. We have a lot of guards, right? And unless one of them gets traded, like Dennis or Frank or something like that, then I don't see how he can crack the rotation. He's not going to play over Rivers or Quickly. Um, he's probably not going to play over Frank or Dennis or Elf. So aside from being a victory cigar like he was yesterday, uh, I don't see him cracking the rotation at all this season. Um but, you know, he, he's another one who's going to be playing a completely different role. If he succeeds in the NBA, it's because he basically turned into some version of Patty Mills instead of being, you know, the 1,000th the undersized scorer who sinks their team on defense and isn't efficient on offense and then just floats from team to team and then ends up in, like, Turkey or China or something like that. So hopefully... Hopefully he gets the the Patty Mills, J.J. Barea type energy in Westchester and and maybe some injuries give him a chance to showcase that in the garden. Well, it's good then. I think that if I recall during one of his media sessions, he did reference Patty Mills as a guy whose game that he studies. So (laughs) I suppose that's a good that's a good sign uh, for Powell going forward. Uh, All right. Well, Prez, unless you had any. Final notes to throw out there on any of these rooks. I think we're I think we're probably good here. I think we did we covered a good amount of ground with these guys as far as what they've done uh, in the pros so far through their you know whopping four game sample size in the big leagues or three for quickly in in that case. But uh, if you have any final parting shots, get them out, and then you know if you want to let everybody know where to find you as well, uh, do that too. Yeah, um, I write for the Strickland, like we said at the top, uh, at underscore Presidente on Twitter. Uh, don't really have any parting shots. I'm just happy to 
see the season, see these Knicks get going and happy to see the whole rookie class really. Like I'm just I'm always just fascinated, you know, just seeing how these players' skills develop um once they all kind of find their niche on the respective teams that drafted them. So so we'll see. Cool. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Prez. And uh, I know it certainly won't be the last time. I'm sure all of three weeks into the season, we'll probably want to start getting into 2021 prospects. And uh, we'll definitely get you on then and frequently during the season. You know it. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.